When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, April 19th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 259 featuring the Boston Globe's Adam Himmelsbach is brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4hims.com slash CLNS. See website for full details. The show is also brought to you by eHarmony. My listeners get a special deal right now. Get a free month of eHarmony. When you sign up for a three-month subscription just by using the promo code BOSTONCELTICS. Well, this is a nice change of pace, isn't it? Celtics up 2-0 in a first-round playoff series. Nothing like last year with that 0-2 hole to Rajon Rondo and the Chicago Bulls. Welcome in, everyone. This is Celtics Beat. I'm Adam Kaufman, and obviously there's a lot to talk about. Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe is going to join me in a little bit, and we're going to go deep, not only into this season, but the future of this franchise, contracts, what's realistic in terms of who will stick around long-term, potential, ceilings, would you rather this guy versus that guy. We're going to get into all the classic debates and, of course, even touch just a little bit on Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard because you kind of have to, it feels like, these days. But the most interesting thing in this very moment ahead of Game 3 on Friday is how have the put themselves in this position. How are they up 2-0 on the Bucks? Well, I looked at a lot of the numbers. I boiled it down to a few different things, but really, let's just hear from Al Horford. The biggest thing is that, you know, we... We have a lot of guys. We, we're doing it by committee. You know, it, it's not only one guy. We're trying to do it by committee. That's the way that we are right now. And uh, and we're just trying to make the most of it. That was Horford chatting with Abby Chin on NBC Sports Boston after a Game 2 victory. And he's right. Balance. Jalen Brown is averaging 25 points per game. Terry Rozier, 23 in each game. Al Horford, 20 per. Marcus Morris, 19.5 per. Jason Tatum, the big game one quieter in Game 2, still averaging about 12 points. And on the other side, it's really just two guys. Giannis Attentacumpo, obviously the best player in the entire series and one of the best players in the freaking world. He's unbelievable, and in a couple of years, probably be the best player in the entire NBA, or at least in that conversation. And he can score at will and do whatever he wants, and the Celtics, as well as they've done on him, can't stop the guy. You only hope to contain him. That old ESPN commercial, or saying that, I don't know, Olbermann or one of those guys had. Point is, Giannis is Giannis, and Giannis is going to be Giannis, and you kind of, I'm not saying this is the Celtics' approach, but you kind of have to worry about everybody else. Chris Middleton has been terrific, but after that, Malcolm Brogdon, good and limited opportunity. Eric Bledsoe has been a sieve. He is killing this team. He has been absolutely terrible. Jabari Parker has been invisible. I'm not even sure he has been participating, so it's really been balance from the Celtics, more depth versus a two-man show on the part of the Bucks, Second chance points through two games. 42-13 in favor of the Seas. Turnovers per game. 11 for the Celtics. 18 for the Bucks. Free throw percentage. 78 for the Seas. 63 for Milwaukee. And of course, slow starts. Celtics 
are outscoring the Bucks over the first halves of these games by a decent average, okay? Celtics are going out and starting early, starting fast, something that in past playoffs they've had a lot of trouble doing. And as we know, Bledsoe doesn't know who Terry Rozier is, apparently. Terry Rozier has gotten off to a, a strong start to the series, no turnovers in 78 minutes. How personally do you take that matchup? Who? Terry Rozier. I don't even know who that is. You know, I actually kind of believe him. I kind of believe he doesn't because it makes his play in this series a little more understandable. Well, who is that guy? Oh, I'm supposed to cover that guy? Oh, let let me go take care of that guy. He's done nothing. He's been awful. He has been absolutely terrible and should, quite frankly, in my opinion, be winning that matchup. Veteran versus young guy, more experience, a guy who should be able to consistently put up 20 points per versus Terry Rozier, who's more in the 15 category, but obviously can go off for more, as we've seen and as we saw throughout a number of different times during his stretch starting in place of Kyrie Irving over the last several weeks. Bledsoe has been miserable, and Terry Rozier just continues to believe in himself. And Jalen Brown, I mean, this team would not be where it is up to nothing without the performance of Brown. Again, 25 points per. He's shooting 51% from the field, 42% or thereabouts from three-point range. It has been a major focus for him. He has made the comment that, look, this is an area that people, when I came into the league, said I could not do this. Same thing for Jason Tatum, by the way. And Brown has capitalized. And Brad Stevens says he's just rising to the occasion. Jalen loves the moment. I think he really appreciates the opportunity like to compete on this stage and at this level. And we've seen him against the better teams in the league all year be able to really raise his level in some of the biggest games. So, Jalen, what are you doing? What are you doing differently? To be honest, I don't even pay attention to it. I've just been keep playing basketball all year. You know, my teammates, you know, Helped me out a lot by finding me. Terry found me a lot during uh, during the course of the game, and, and I was able to, to hit some shots. But ultimately, we just want to win games. I think that's the only thing we concerned with. Certainly encourage you if you want to hear full press conferences. I'm talking six, seven, eight, nine minutes. I mean, great Celtic sound for the coach, podiums for all these different players, both sides. Go to CLNS, the YouTube page, subscribe. You'll get a whole lot of sound when it's posted. And especially after home games, there's a ton of great stuff there. Seas, as we know, are not going to be back home until game five. That is coming up on Tuesday. So it's still a few days away, and we'll talk again in all likelihood before then. But two games now in Milwaukee. Friday night, Sunday afternoon. A couple of games that are very close together, actually, between the 9.30 tip and a 1 o'clock tip. So there's going to be a quick turnaround, albeit with the day in between. And I don't know if Sunday's going to be a position where the Celtics have an opportunity to end this series, but I'll tell you that right now, I won't be shocked by it. Wouldn't be shocked by it at all. As far as I'm concerned, this series is over. I would be stunned if the Bucks come back and even make the series interesting, let alone win it. I realize if they win in Game 3, just by virtue of the fact that it's 2-1, they make it interesting. So in that sense, I get it. But I, I'm really, I'm not worried. I had Celtics in 6, as you may remember, coming into this series, and I certainly tweeted it out if I didn't say it on the show. And I have no worries about the Celtics winning this series, and I think it may even happen faster than six games. And then, of course, we'll be in a position, maybe even as soon as our next show, where we can start to look ahead to the Sixers or to the Heat. But either way, I'm feeling really good about this team. I think you should be feeling good about this team. And another guy who's probably feeling good about this team, we're going to get to in a second. But first, a reminder, as always, if you want more shows and you want to know how to find this show, subscribe. Always subscribe. Go to iTunes. Go to Celtics Beat. Search it. Subscribe. Become one of the many, the hundreds, the thousands, however many it is, that subscribe to this show and you can hear it as soon as the show drops you'll get the notification turn those pushes on on your phones or 
wherever the downloads on your computer you will learn when there's a new show and let us know that you're listening give us a rating five stars if you feel generous that is great we appreciate it if you feel that way about the show most important thing though is just that you listen and so much care about the ratings but would love if you would get involved there or on top of that leave a comment let us know how we're doing if there's something different you like some other guests that you want that maybe we haven't had on i don't know whatever it may be be imaginative leave a line or two i'm not going to write it for you go ahead help us out and of course you can get me on twitter always at adam m kaufman and i always enjoy a good fun spirited debate and seemingly ticking off some people in the process but uh hey you know whatever I love the interaction. So it's fun. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the show going, too. Keep it moving along. Talk with Adam Himmelsbach. Does a great job covering the seas for the Boston Globe. Adam, how's it going? Good, man. How's everything going with you? Well, you know. I mean, Celtics are in the playoffs. Can't complain, obviously. In fact, uh, let's let's begin with this. 2-0. Series over? I mean, uh, you never want to say it's over, over, but it sure seems like they're in control. What, what gives me that sense more than anything was, was game two, seeing those those plays where the Bucks kind of quit. Like, like I was saying to people it reminded me of like when you watch the suns or the magic or somebody like in a in a late march game where they know like all right like we gave a little effort we're Hmm. losing this one it's time to call it a day but it's like game two of the playoffs you don't really see that very often is there any reason to believe this series will look any different in milwaukee i mean it's not like they've really inspired in their time at the garden no they didn't inspire but you gotta remember how close they were to winning game one sure if they snag that all of a sudden regardless of what happens in game two they've got home court they're going home. They, you know, they have a decent crowd in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, it wasn't like the Celtics blew them out twice. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bucks won one. Um, I'd be surprised if the Bucks won both, just based on what we've seen from them so far. But look, it's like the playoffs. Like, remember, Brad Stevens even mentioned this the other day. Like, they won the first two against the Wizards and never said, "Oh, well, this one's over," and then that turned into a, a really intense seven-game series, so you never know what's going to happen. Do you know if Eric Bledsoe has been introduced to Terry Rozier yet? <laughs> Seems uh, like that's yeah. long overdue. I, I, I wrote about this a little bit uh, in this morning's Globe. Like, I kind of, I, I miss the beef. I miss, this team doesn't really have issues with anyone. It hasn't all season. There's no little skirmishes or petty nonsense that we used to get from Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, even like a like a Kelly Olynyk card foul that would enrage a team, and and sometimes that stuff was kind of fun. <laughs> like the team doesn't have it, so I, I'm I hope my hope is that Terry will take the bait and as something to say back to Eric Bledsoe to kind of get this thing even even just in fun. We need as media, we need all the entertainment we can get, and fans like to. And listen, the NBA the NBA likes it when I mean, of course, not when they cross the line with with hard fouls and things like sure. that. The NBA likes when these little these little uh, beats pop up because, look, it gets people talking. It gets people interested. It's like a little WWE kind of side story. Well, look, there's, there's no better pettiness than what exists in the NBA across sports. I mean, people like my buddy Rob Perez out there, Worldwide Wob, like guys have made careers almost out of just publicizing <laughs> all the pettiness that goes on in this league. And you're right, this team hasn't really taken a deep dive into it, although you almost see some of the stuff out of Terry Rozier as accidental. Like, I I don't think he genuinely was calling Eric Bledsoe Drew Bledsoe. Like, I'm not even sure Terry Rozier knows who Drew Bledsoe is. But how great would it be? Flip of the tongue, yeah. Right, but how great would it be, and this would never happen, somebody made a Photoshop that's out there on Twitter somewhere, but if, if, like, (laughs) Rozier takes the court just for warm-ups or something like that, and he's wearing an old Drew Bledsoe, so throwback jersey like just something to really rub it in 
Yeah, I actually tweeted about it the other day, just kind of what I said to you. I was like, I'm like basically, I'm here for this Teddy B, <laughs> and uh, I said I hope Terry responds or whatever. And somebody tweeted at me, he should show up to the game in a in a Bloodsaw jersey. Of course, so he's great. not going to take the court. In it. Yeah, so yeah, of course. But yeah, just walk walk into the building he, with yeah, it. That type did, of thing. You know, you know that shot, that walk in shot we always get from either NBC Boston or TNT, or the guy has his headphones on, is walking to the locker room. Like in that situation, like it would be like a. It would be it would be something that last season's Wizards team would have done. Right. Yeah. The the all black <laughs> funeral. Well, it's 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 like it's like Donovan Mitchell walking in wearing the definition of rookie on the sweatshirt on the front. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what it would be. It'd be Rozier come. He just he should have along with the scary Terry tees. He should come in with a T-shirt with just Drew Bledsoe's face. Or something like that. Like that would be that the, would be next level to make one of those scary Terry shirts. You know how it has like you know twelve and it's in, but have it be him with a blood like like not necessarily wear a Bledsoe jersey, but have a scary Terry shirt where the cartoon Terry is wearing a Bledsoe jersey. <laughs> that would be so great. You know what? These guys have the connections to have those things made up in a hurry. Yeah. I, I wish Brad Stevens. Uh, somebody I don't remember who it was. Somebody asked Brad Stevens about it. As you know, you were there, and uh, it it would have been nice if if he went near it. He wouldn't touch it though. Uh, it was our old friend Bill Doyle from the Western. Oh, Telegram. okay. There you and go. So what people don't grab, it was on a conference call. And the great part about that was Bill asked, which is, you know, fine. You never know what Brad's going to say. And Brad just didn't bite. And then Bill says, so you're not going to touch that one, huh? And then there was like, third, conference calls can always be awkward because nobody sure. ever knows like when it's your turn to talk or who's, who's saying something next or who's going to get interrupted. Um, and there was like 30 seconds of awkward silence. And all of us were just like, ooh. And then finally Brad was like, no, I'm not. It was, it was, it was one of the most uncomfortable conference call moments I've uh, seen. Oh, geez, Brad, how how long was that delay, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's what, like it wasn't even Brad's fault because Brad was kind of just waiting for someone else to ask a question. Right, like, right. That are supposed to be asking questions, but just nobody did for that real weird thirty seconds. It just turned into a little bit of awkwardness. So, what is it that's made Rozier so effective on the floor these couple of games? He has twenty three in each one, no turnovers in his seventy eight minutes. What's been the key, other than obviously a, a chip that he clearly carries around on his shoulder? Yeah, it's the thing. I don't like somebody asked Brad about that too. Like, how has Terry gotten so much better? And he was like, "Look, I don't even think he's gotten that much better. I think he's just really good. Uh, he's just having getting this opportunity. Of course, we saw it. You know, his first game." starting for Kyrie when he scored 31 or had the triple-double. and You know, he's really just played, obviously had a, a dip here and there, but for the most part, he's just played really well in place of Kyrie. And you can see his confidence gaining kind of with every game, more comfortable with kind of running the offense, more comfortable taking a big shot. What I've been impressed is how he, he can shrug off. Like if he, can, if he misses a few, especially young guys, you'll see them maybe pass up a shot next time. But he doesn't. He just fires it up and, feels good about himself regardless and they need like with the available group of guys they have they need somebody like that you know Marcus Morris of course is never afraid to take a shot either but they need guys like that with this team it's a really interesting dynamic this group that we have that you know you almost forget that guys like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, obviously Marcus Smart, like these guys, Daniel Tice, they should be available. Now, those first few more important, obviously, than Tice. No disrespect to him. He's been great for this team this year when he was available. But the only one 
that is theoretically going to come back is Marcus Smart, who's, I don't know, call it a week, 10 days away. Provided this team's still playing, though, when he's eligible to return, is it safe to assume that Terry Rozier continues to start? Or do you see Brad Stevens maybe balancing out the lineup a little bit? Because you could add, obviously, to that offense off the bench by moving Rozier there and, I don't know, improving your defense a little bit anyway if you put Smart there. Yeah, no, Terry, I would be absolutely stunned if Terry doesn't remain starting point guard throughout the playoffs. He does. Marcus is great, obviously, but Terry does a lot of things that Marcus doesn't in terms of being like a playmaker, distributor. Marcus can do that, but Terry Terry is better at it, I think. Um, And and Marcus has always really thrived off the bench. There's been a lot of times where, you know, maybe we'd wonder, oh, are they going to make a change in the starting lineup when their guy would be out? And Brad would keep Marcus coming off the bench, and he would say that. He'd be like, look, we just love Marcus kind of anchoring that second unit for us. Um, And again, it's going to take Marcus a little bit also – Fans can't expect whenever he comes back to all of a sudden him pop in playing 32 minutes and, you know, diving after loose balls. And I'm guessing it's going to take him a little bit to get his rhythm back again, too. Well, it may take at least five minutes before he's diving for loose balls. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he's not Jaylen doing that Brown in practices. Con- when Jalen had his concussion. Uh, yeah, like, I'm not going to dunk. I told my mom yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, and we thought he might. And then he kind of passed up one dunk, I think. And then the second one in that game, like, whatever. <laughs> eight minutes into that game he threw it down he's like yeah i just couldn't resist and i would be surprised if there wasn't something similar with marcus like he's not gonna be like all right well i'm not feeling so- my, my thumb i don't really want to happen again so i'm not i'm no longer going to throw my entire body across the floor I'm, I'm guessing he'll resume that relatively quickly yeah at a certain point these guys just have to be who they are now we're yeah. not used to seeing the seas so successful when it comes to second-chance points. They've obviously done it with a depleted cast, as we touched on. Is it the will to win? I mean, I know that's kind of cliche. It's thrown around a lot. But are the Celts just trying harder than the Bucks more consistently? I mean, I think they are. And Joe Prony, that was the first thing he said in his press conference. His literally almost first words were, they've tried, they played harder than we did out there. And for anybody that watched, like, that's the impression you came away with, too. Like, man, the Celtics are really, like, going after it more. So, of course, they were, like, you know, getting boxed out and, and guards were crashing. But also, like, you don't don't just watch the Celtics in those situations. Watch the Bucks. Like, there were a lot of times where guys just kind of stood flat-footed or would look up and if the ball didn't come to them, it was kind of like, all right, I'm not getting this one. And they can't do that. They can't do that over these next two games if they want to have a chance. Boston's obviously been winning with balance. I mean, it's Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Al Horford, Marcus Morris. They're all averaging basically 20 points or better. Are you surprised the secondary players on Milwaukee haven't been as good, though, next to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton? Because basically they've gotten nothing out of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's been pretty good offensively. The one that's <laughs> When, really when they actually me. play him. Yeah, the one that's stunned me more than anything is Jabari Parker. Like, obviously he was out much of the year with an injury, but recently in the end of the regular season had really seemed to find a rhythm he was averaging like 20 a game in april uh offensively you know he's never never a good defender really but he he's been a complete non-factor in this series and then in, in game two like you mentioned i think he played about 12 minutes he has he has i think two points in the series and I, it's really stunning i i think they need to find some way to get him involved of course and part of that involves playing him more but if he's not playing well in his minutes i could see Joe Prony's frustration there too, but if they're going to have a chance, you know, there's there's, just, there's several like if they're going to have a chance uh, facets with this team, but they need scoring from him because he's a dangerous scorer, right? Like he's a guy who can he can score in bunches, and he's not done anything this series so far. 
Does he seem kind of content to let Giannis be Giannis and then worry about everyone else? I mean, it, it seems kind of crazy, right? But Giannis, he, he could be even more aggressive than he has been in order to attempt to win this series. You think back almost to LeBron James in Game 2, what we just saw last night, where he goes out and effectively has to score half his team's points for the Cavs to win that game. Celts don't have the manpower to stop Giannis as good as Horford is, has been. Are they just worried about doing that, or do you think he could just drop 40 at will and take over these games in a way that he hasn't yet? Yeah, I don't think I don't think they enter it saying, "All right, Giannis is going to crush us. Let's just try to take away the other guys." Let's their their focus is, "All right, let's try to stop Giannis." But guess what? It's pretty tough. <laughs> and he hit some ridiculous shots yesterday that even he doesn't, or in game two that he even he typically does not hit, like those kind of and ones where he's falling sideways, right. and chucks it up off the glass. I, I had this in the globe today. Like uh, I was looking at his numbers. He was actually he, he's only taken two threes in the two games, which is good for him. Like the Celtics have tried to force him into shooting jumpers, and they love when he fires away. But he did he has not done that at all. He's missed both of his threes. But he was he made every other shot besides when the Celtics contested him at the rim in game two. He was one for four when he was defended at the rim. Um, you know that may just be a fluky small sample size, or maybe it means like you got to throw a body at him course they do that plenty and they end up fouling him and he goes to the line and that's a whole other issue where he seems a little <laughs> bit ravaged at the line uh, after having been great at the line in game one there's this issue we saw with the 10 second violation on the NBA's last two minute report yeah the fans counting rattled him he said it didn't but I mean he was like four for nine with an air ball so that was that's something to keep an eye on too in a close game we'll get back to Adam in a second but I want to tell you today's episode of Celtics beat is brought to you by hymns hymns is a brand new wellness brand for men guys how many of you are scared of hair loss I guess a lot of you considering 66 percent of men lose their hair by age 35 how many friends do you know whose hairline is starting to trend in the wrong direction are you that person? Because by the time you or your friend notice that hair loss is becoming a problem, it's too late. Stop procrastinating and stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. And the best part about Hims is they connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions that you make at home. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Now, sign up is easy. Just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door. You don't have to wait in line for hours. Let Hims come to you. And my listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. But use my promo code. Go to 4hims.com slash CLNS. That's 4hims.com slash CLNS. All right, let's go back to Adam. Jalen Brown, 20 points in Game 1. He had 30 in Game 2. I don't think he's going to go for 40 in Game 3, but as we know, he's been great. Have you been surprised by his play, or is this the type of role that you expected from him? Yeah, a little surprised by the three-point shooting. It's been so good. But, look, he's got, it's one of those, like, if you look at guys, like, on, on, on bad teams, who are who are really good, or guys who are good on bad teams, and they put up huge numbers. I'm not saying Jalen's just good. Like Jalen's going to be excellent, but he's getting 25 shots. Like he got 25 shots in game two. When you a player like that has that high volume um, shooting, he's going to put up numbers. But his three point shooting's been really good. His confidence is really high. I think with that opportunity comes confidence. He knows. Like I'm playing. 35, 36 minutes or whatever, this team needs me. It's not like I have to defer to 
Kyrie, I don't have to defer to Gordon, and I think that's given him an extra boost of confidence, too. On Al Horford, I'm, you may know this, I'm certainly a Horford defender, a borderline apologist. I've been huh. waiting for this time of year because we saw what he did last year, and I know the there was a lot of up and down throughout the regular season this year, but he's turned things up a level. I expected him to, but it looks like, I mean, he's, he's almost a new man unleashed in the playoffs. What has been the difference? It sounds stupid to say, did he hold himself back in some way outside of minutes during the regular season, which comes down to Brad Stevens anyway, but what is he doing differently right now that he wasn't doing earlier. And you can see he's being more assertive. Even in it started, I think, more in the second half of that game one um, when you see him catching the ball in the post and taking these hard, almost like angry dribbles. And what's been kind of cool, like in game two, when he was doing it and started drawing fouls and taking advantage of matchups, is like the fans were like buzzing. Like you could hear it, like a noticeable buzz slash cheer when he was doing this, which I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard from Al Horford, or when Al Horford has the, has the ball. He knows, again, similar to Jalen, he knows they need him. He knows they need him to score. He knows they need him to be aggressive. And to kind of, like, set the pulse and set the tone for this team. And these guys follow him. Like, they know he's been around. They, they kind of like to follow his lead. And if he's out there doing this, it rubs off on the other guys, I think. If the C's win this series, we both expect they will. What have you seen so far these first little bit, first couple games from the Sixers and Heat as far as a matchup with Boston and what your expectations would be? Because I know there's a lot of talk right now about, okay, have have we underestimated this Celtics team given the cast, or do we need to lift our expectations a little bit? How do you feel about this team coming out of this series if things go as well as they have so far anyway, going into one of those two teams? Yeah, I was a little surprised by all the, like, you know, kind of, Celtics as these huge underdogs all of a sudden, and oh, if they could like win a couple of games against the Bucks, that would be impressive, and all this stuff. Like, no, I that's honestly stupid. thought all along, I said, I was like, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they'll beat the Bucks, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat the Sixers or Heat, and I still feel that way. If they if they somehow beat like the Raptors in the conference finals, that's a point where I'd be like, wow, this team has really overachieved. You got to remember, they have like really good players still, right? Like, yeah. Al Horford's an all star. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are rising stars. Marcus Morris has, has played extremely well. Like, yes, he took away Kyrie Irving. Never mentions the Hayward thing. Like, they didn't have Gordon Hayward all season. It's almost like it ne- he never existed. So it's not like all of a sudden you enter the playoffs. Like, this team won 55 games without Gordon Hayward. Right. When you look at the those two matchups, like, of course, with the Sixers, it, it all it all boils down to Joel Embiid. Like, he's I think he's doubtful to play in game, game three. Still, of course, people expect him back and fine by the conference semifinals if they make it that far but no i don't think anybody knows for 100 percent certain uh and the heat would be a tough matchup because the eric spolster on the way they play defensively but if you're the celtics i think you'd love to play the heat like i, I think you would put away the heat i don't say easily but i i, I think they would move on to the conference finals if they end up playing miami yeah i mean that was the matchup that i wanted as opposed to the bucks and i mean i had for what it's worth and our opinions obviously only mean so much but i had celtics in six against milwaukee and i thought miami was going to be that much easier series so with you there and really the the whole joel and bead thing and they're a totally different team when he's available versus when he's not we all know that you almost feel like at this point whatever the final sheet says or the injury report you know it shouldn't say like doubtful face it should say doubtful like pissed off or something i mean the, the way they've handled this situation maybe conservatively maybe for the best but there's i don't know if there's a, a rift forming between he and the sixers not where there's any type of conversation about well how long is he going to be in philadelphia but clearly, the way this has gone between injury history to just where he is now, you can understand why he feels like he's been babied and why he just wants to get out there and help his team. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously that Instagram post he had like right after Game Two was pretty telling. I think their my guess would be their thought was more that they kind of cruised in Game One and figured, all right, we're like, and they've been playing. They hadn't lost like since he's been out anyway. They'd won 17 games in a row, right. and about half of them were without Embiid. I think their feeling was more, all right, we cruised in Game One. We feel like we can beat this team. Let's not push it here in Game Two. Let's try to get another win. If we don't. You know, maybe we try to bring him back. Although now he has, he was listed as doubtful for Game Three as well. So we'll have to see. So back to the Celtics. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk, probably futile talk, but it's always interesting to me, just big picture stuff about the future. For instance, there was a tweet from Chris Mannix. I think it was just yesterday or the day before. This is what he wrote, and you may have seen it. A long-term problem for Boston, and why I expect them to be aggressive on the trade market. You can't pay everyone. Sees if three max deals on the books and Tatum, Brown, Rozier, Smart in line for big money down the road. Naturally, that gets people talking about Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard again and all the conversations that have been had over the last several months. But what do you make of that sentiment from Mannix? I was wondering, if, I was like, can I get through a call with Cawson without Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> no yeah, no chance. You, no. You, yeah, you should have known that going in. There was no no chance. <laughs> don't Don't ask yourself stupid questions. <laughs> And Anthony Davis, look at look at Anthony Davis right now. Like he's not going anywhere. That's, yeah, and I, I that, firmly but. agree with that. The the and and that's never mind Boston. Like the Pelicans aren't trading him anywhere. Period. Exactly. So it's really you know it's and and quite frankly, I'm not even convinced that Kawhi Leonard, as bad as that situation appears on the outside right now, I'm not convinced they won't work it out and the Spurs won't find a way to keep him. So it's the yeah, that re- one's a little more different though. I feel sure, like, like you might be right. It could it could for sure. You know, there's stuff we don't know that's going on, but there there seems it seems one of the more unusual. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more attention. To be totally honest, it's, if you really step back and think about how long it's lasted, how long it, he's been supposedly cleared to play, the the like lack of clarity really on either of their parts publicly about what's really going on, like something's off there. I'm sure could it be amended? Probably. Like I don't have any inside information about what's going on in San Antonio. But it sure gives off the vibe that Kawhi Leonard wants to go somewhere else. Well, and Pop's, you know, pseudo-subtweet the other day talking about all the qualities he listed about LaMarcus Aldridge being the anti-Kawhi Leonard effectively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's something off there for sure. So, you know, I'm sure the Celtics, like like every other team and like the Celtics, if he becomes available, they would would see what's going on. Like, why wouldn't you? Every every team in the NBA would do that if Kawhi Leonard's available. Um and then it's going to be, if you're the Celtics, if there are discussions, and if there's a lot of ifs, like if the Spurs are looking to trade him, if they're looking to trade him to a team that's potentially as like young and powerful as the Celtics, if you know, blah blah blah. But if you are, then the Celtics have the discussion of what's the what's the value to us? What do we want to give up? The reason I bring it up, believe it or not, really isn't even about. Davis or Kawhi. It's it's more the Mannix tweet, because I saw it, my first reaction to it, without pulling up all of everybody's contract statuses and all that stuff, was, why do you have to be aggressive on the trade market? Why do you have to, let's say, send away two of those guys for one superstar or something like that? You know, I, I don't know how all of the contracts are necessarily staggered or would be staggered going forward. But why can't you kind of attempt to keep everybody? For instance, not all of those guys, Tatum, Brown, Rozier, Smart, are going to turn into max players. Smart is up for a new deal this summer. He's restricted. He's not a max player. Rozier might not be right. a max player. And Who knows Tatum, about the like, other guys? A, while, a long ways away from even being at that point as well. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, and so like why Celtics, do you have to be aggressive on the trade market, or or do you? Made it, they've made it clear too that they're. Um, 
willing to dip into luxury tax. Like the ownership has made no secret about that. And they're going to obviously have to do that. Then you look at a guy like Al Horford, like Al Horford next year is going to be in the third year of his, of his max deal. Like that will be coming up pretty soon. You know, Gordon Hayward's already one year in. He's, he's starting year two next year. Like there's going to be times, especially uh, in Horford's case, where like money starts opening up. Of course, they want to keep Horford around, but his next deal is not going to be a max deal. Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, Look, Mike Zarin's as good at this as anybody. We all try to prognosticate and have hmm. any idea, like, you know, looking at numbers and figures. Like, I'm sure he's been doing it basically every morning all season long looking ahead to the future. So I guess the long-winded are back and forth there. Really, the question is, do you agree with Mannix? I mean, do you agree that the Celtics will be aggressive on the I mean, trade market based I mean, on all I don't that? I know if it's essential, but, I mean, if you're going to want to do what's going to set you up best financially. So if there if there are deals that would do that, then, of course, you make them. I don't know if it's necessarily essential, but, you know, it depends on what's, what's shaping up in your future. Do you think there's a scenario contractually and realistically where the franchise sort of does age from – Horford, Hayward, Irving to some sort of bridge to Tatum, Brown, Rozier. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing with Kyrie, I feel like he was kind of the bridge. You know, he he's 25 this season. Like, right. He kind of fit both timelines. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like with Jason, T- we never we didn't really know what Jason Tatum was going to be as they were building that and bringing these guys. Everyone else, you kind of had a sense. And Jason Tatum, like you hate to heap expectations on a guy, but he looks like he's going to be a star, if not a superstar, and. and they're going to need, like, if they're going to win a title, which, of course, is the ultimate goal, and the goal of ownership and, and fans, it's not one of those teams where you're just trying to make the playoffs a bunch of years in a row. Like, they're trying to win titles. They they kind of need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to become stars and one of them to be, like, a, like a top five, top ten superstar. So I, that's, that's where, ultimately, aside from bringing, you know, like, bringing in Gordon Hayward is huge. Bring in, um, you know, having Al Horford here is huge. Kyrie Irving probably is a superstar, but eventually he's going to start getting older. Uh, but Jason Tatum's a guy who, at 20, has that potential, and I think that that's going to be huge for them to see how he develops and see if he can get to that point. Just because fans and media like to play the game, it's such a talking point everywhere, almost at a point of being aggravating. But who is more important going forward, if you had to guess? And we're talking about two young guys, a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old, Tatum or Brown. I mean, who has the higher ceiling? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the higher ceiling is a, is a tough one. I think Jalen, Jalen's athleticism is so obvious. He has athleticism that Jason Tatum doesn't. And generally, when that's the case, that means higher ceiling. Like, and you're seeing it now, like how he's added a three-pointer really to his game this season. What that's done for him as having a three-pointer, and also like forcing teams to defend it, and giving him opportunities to really attack and do things not a lot of guys can do. Having said that, like Jason Tatum's ability to score and get off his shot at such a young age with like so little experience is is just fascinating, and his length, uh, like. He he looks to me. If, if you're saying right now who will be, you know, viewed as the better player in five years, I would veer Tatum. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you, and that's why I don't know, and I don't think that Danny Ainge views anybody as untouchable. We've, you know, that's a conversation that's been going on for years, whether talking about a specific player or an asset, as many of those assets and picks have turned into these guys that we talk about now. But I just, between the two, Tatum's the guy that I'm especially hesitant to give up. Not that I want to give up Jalen Brown, 
But if the right trade package for a star comes along, he's the one, ultimately, that I'm I'm willing to part with and just say, okay, I mean, the athleticism is clearly there. The offense is continuing to develop. We know what he can be defensively and, and really already is defensively, but we don't know if it will materialize. Ability to score is ability to score, and Tatum clearly has it. Yeah, I, I said something similar the other day. Like, if, and and I know fans get all upset. Like, no, we have to keep them both. Like, guess what? If you want, if you want to bring in a Kawhi Leonard, like a package of of kind of like okay guys, isn't going to do it. Like, you're going to have to give up probably Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and then you're probably going to have to give up like that Lakers pick. Like, it's or I guess it'd be that Kings pick now, mm-hmm. um, barring lottery magic. You know, it's going to these guys come at a hefty price, and a guy like Kawhi Leonard would come at a hefty price. What do you think Rozier's potential is? You know, we talk about him a lot over the course of this season and what he's done the first couple of games against the Bucks, but his overall potential and, and sort of the situation that, that he's in. I, I brought this up weeks, if not months ago, wondering, are the Celtics going to find themselves in sort of a, and this is an extreme example, but fits the conversation, a James Harden in OKC situation where you have a Terry Rozier who is limited in his potential within a certain team just because there isn't that place for him. Like, as long as Kyrie Irving is in Boston, Terry Rozier is stuck behind Kyrie Irving. So what is his potential here, do you think, and, and does it ultimately end with him going elsewhere just to maximize his value? Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, like, obviously, as we've seen, injuries happen and, and Brad's position fluctuating happens. But when you hear opposing coaches really gush about Terry like they have in the past, like, months, two months, like, people view him as a starting point guard, like, as an NBA starting point guard, which I have to admit, like, I didn't see. I remember a couple of people saying that early in his career, I'm like, oh, it kind of seems to me more like the career backup. Like, he's going to have a place in this league. But I don't necessarily see that. But now you see it, and other coaches see it, and other teams see it. So at some point, like, if, and if you're the Celtics, like, what a great – if you if let's say you've got Kyrie locked up long-term, let's say his needs fine, what a great thing to have if you're trying to make a move. Like, so you're trying to make a move. For, like, oh, let's bolster the front court with a star. Okay, well, guess what? We have an all-star point guard in Kyrie Irving who's 26, but now we also have this like really talented point guard who's 24 that might be a, a great bargaining chip. But they really like Terry, and there's no, there's also no reason for them to just try to move on just because they have Kyrie Irving. Do you see any way, and, and I'm asking you an impossible question here because this is so far from being determined medically, and obviously neither one of us is a doctor, but do you see any way that Kyrie Irving's knee situation results in him not being on this team when he hits free agency in a year? Do you think that possibility has even entered the mind of Danny Ainge? No, I don't think so. And from everyone I've spoken to, like it's literally at this point the bone just has to fill into this gap where screws used to be. Everything has been structurally sound, you know. He he's feel, I mean, to see him at game one, I was stunned to see him not on crutches with no crutch, no brace, no. I was like, wait a minute, didn't this guy have surgery like a week ago? I know <laughs> it's not like it wasn't like to repair a tendon; it was to have hardware removed. But still, it was, it was pretty surprising. They feel pretty good about it. And you never know, like like it's like health can be fickle. Regard like for a guy who's totally healthy now, like you never know what's going to happen. I think. Right now, there's there's no, no part of them that says, oh, maybe we shouldn't keep Kyrie Irving around.
One more quick break in the action here to tell you today's episode also brought to you by eHarmony. To those of you who dabble in online dating, let me ask you something. You sick of lazy text messages and conversations that never really get anywhere? Well, ditch those apps and other sites and get ready to fall in love just by signing up for eHarmony today. eHarmony is the number one most trusted dating site or app based on a 2018 survey of 1,600 singles. eHarmony uses years of research, science, and data to make sure you'll find the most compatible match. Signing up for eHarmony couldn't be easier. Quickly create an account, answer some personal questions like how you react to certain situations, and get ready to meet the love of your life. Right now, my listeners get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just enter my promo code BOSTONCELTICS at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my code BOSTONCELTICS at checkout. All right, more from Adam here. I'm sure you heard this story a few days ago on ESPN with the anonymous coach. I don't know if he was just, I think, a member of a coaching staff. I don't think he was a head coach, but questioning why Brad Stevens is held in such high regard considering he's only won one conference finals game. Was there a level of jealousy there, or do you think he kind of had a point? I didn't even see that, to be honest. But I don't, so I don't really know. But I, I mean, sure. I so, well, I'll, I'll 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 feed you the background. The the main crux is that uh, one of the reporters, uh, what's his name? Kevin Aranovitz, is that the last name? I I screw it up all the time trying to pronounce it. Was on, I think, the jump, and he was referring to a conversation that he had with, as he put it, a, a member of a coaching staff, and obviously it was anonymous. He wasn't going to reveal that. And went into a uh, whole diatribe basically where this coach was saying, "When did Brad Stevens appear on the Mount Rushmore of coaches?" in this league like yeah he's done some great stuff and we all respect him and and he's very good but based on what he's done so far you know a lot of coaches around the league have done well with limitations as Stevens had he's won one conference finals game I just don't understand how the hype has gotten to the level that it's at where so many people outside of Boston across the league revere Brad Stevens as being one of the top coaches in the league yeah I mean I think it's from several things I think it's from I think it really started the last year or two when you heard, heard guys like Pop really kind of pumping him up. And I think when people saw that, all right, well, Pop like Pop says he's one of the best, and that get, they got the early attention. And then just like anybody who watches the Celtics, like the amount of times where uh, opposing coaches have said what Joe Pronti said, they played harder than us tonight. They generally like play harder than their opponent. The amount of times he's run out of timeout play that you say, wow, what, where's, what's coming here? And then it works to a T. Uh, hearing his players talk about him, players, current and former players, like having such respect and, and, and I guess being so impressed by what he's able to do for them and put them in the right places to succeed. I think that's where kind of the narrative comes from. The, whole, the conference finals thing, like, doesn't make a ton of sense in general because, like, I don't think anybody thinks that you can just throw a coach out and regardless of who your players are, beat LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love, you know? Right. Which is the case now is a situation where people are wanting to see when everyone gets back when you give him this full chest of, of assets and dangerous weapons what he's able to do with it and that's what we're everyone's kind of waiting on i think so i'll uh i'll leave you with this if i were talking to literally i think anybody else i 
wouldn't even bother going here, but because you've done so much excellent reporting on the Gordon Hayward front, really since he arrived here, talking to his dad, the one-on-one time with him during his recovery, I'm just going to presume that you're more tapped in than the average person, even the average reporter or media person. Brad Stevens certainly closed the door on him coming back this year. Danny Ainge has done all but that. You know, he's he's danced around with the whole, we don't expect him to play, but he's never said he's out. Gordon most importantly, has not said he's out. From what you gather, and I know he's out, you know he's out, or at least that's our expectation, but has he closed that door now that he's not even with the team, he's in Indianapolis, still going through his rehab and all of that? I mean, what what have you sensed from that situation as far as where his head is right now? Yeah, I mean, I haven't spoken to him at all recently, um, but like you said, he's out. <laughs> like it's, he, right now, he's in Indianapolis working with a running specialist. He's making really good progress. I mean, I don't even know if to be honest, like when he would say during a, one of his few kind of media availabilities, like, yeah, I'm not counting it out yet. Like he may have known deep down he wasn't playing, but sometimes but if you, if you come out and say, yeah, I'm done, I think they're more worried about how that would kind of affect his rehab. Like, all right, like what am I working towards? Mm-hmm. By saying it's still a possibility, it maybe gives them that extra 15 minutes in the gym, gives them that extra half hour of kind of going after it, saying, you know, who knows? I think all along he had a pretty good sense. Brad Stevens made no secret of all along. Brad Stevens has been really clear, especially in the last like two months. Like he's not playing this year. The Celtics don't expect him to play this year. And if you do the math at this point, it's pretty obvious. I would think even to Gordon Hayward. All right, well, let's hope the Celtics continue on doing what they're doing when they're out in Milwaukee. You'll be there firsthand and, and watching all of this. And then uh, right on through, man, hopefully to the to the conference finals if all goes well. And then we can sit back and say, wow, we're really surprised by this group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I just want to go to Miami, man, that's all. Yeah, well, and, and let's let's mix in some more pettiness. We need some more pettiness <laughs> yes, with this Celtics pettiness. team. Pettiness in Miami. <laughs> Sounds good. And Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston man. Globe. Thanks a lot, man. All right, talk to you later, Great stuff as always from Adam, so my thanks again to him coming on. Let's jump right into the Twitter questions. Get me at Adam M. Kaufman. I'll uh, pick out a handful here and we'll run through them pretty quickly. From at Boston Bon Jovi, do you think the Seas can sweep the Bucks? Covered that, obviously, earlier in the show. I think they can. I don't think they will. I think the Bucks will take one. I think the Celtics will win this thing ultimately in five games, which is, as I said earlier, one better than I even expected coming into this series. From Julian, do you think Jalen could average 25-plus points in the entire playoffs? Not even the series, the playoffs. Uh, no. No, I definitely don't. I think Jalen is bound to have a dud or two, and that doesn't even necessarily mean a bad game. It just means maybe a game that he only puts up 12 points, but gets other guys involved, gets some rebounds, plays great defense. Again, I'm not saying Jalen Brown's going to go out and have a stinker. I just don't think he is going to consistently score between 20 and 30 points every single game throughout the postseason, or even consistently throughout this series. I don't think he'll average 25 points just solely against the Bucks as he has done through the first two games. But he has obviously been very good and is a very important piece for this C's team to have any sort of success in the playoffs. From Justin, what are reasonable expectations for C's this offseason? Baines, Smart, Larkin, free agents, extensions, all of it. So there's a lot there, and we will do full shows based on these topics, clearly come the offseason. But right now, just to sort of look at it, Celtics, barring some sort of massive trade, aren't going to have the kind of cash they've had the last couple of years where they were able to sign Al Horford, then sign Gordon Hayward. There's no max-level free agent coming to Boston this summer via free agency, okay? Space would have to be opened up for that or trades to create that situation where you bring in that caliber of player. But free agency may actually be kind of boring or or not nearly as interesting as we've had 
uh, come July 1, the last couple of years. Now, Baines, I could see him returning. I think he really likes it here, but he also is potentially putting himself in a position where he could go and get a multi-year deal somewhere else for similar, if not more, money. I haven't looked ahead, to be perfectly honest, at exactly what the Celtics have in terms of cap space. Marcus Smart, you don't have to worry about that because he's a guy that the team will be willing to pay into the luxury tax for a little bit. He's going to be restricted. Inevitably, they're probably going to go out, let him kind of test the market, see what options are available for him, especially coming off the injury and uh, other stuff that happened during the year, the self-inflicted injury and poor shooting, all of it. We'll see how he finishes out this postseason, provided he gets the opportunity to, and I'm sure we'll see him probably start a little slower, minutes restriction, whatever else, and then hopefully ramp up and get a couple rounds if all goes well for both Smart and for this team. But I've long said I believe Marcus Smart will be back in Boston. I really do and am anxious for it. I I hope he is. Will he get $8 million a year versus $14 million a year? Just don't know got to see what the market is. Shane Larkin, I don't know if he'll be back. I could see him taking on a bigger role somewhere else after proving his NBA worth again after coming back over from overseas and making the most of his time here. But Smart clearly is the number one priority and the number one question mark. With that, from Tim, Rozier or Smart? We've done this on the show a lot in the past, so I won't really spend time on it other than to say I'm still a Smart guy. I know what Rozier has done lately. I know what he, uh, it appears he can be in this league. I have been one of the leading proponents of that, quite frankly, the the belief that he is an NBA starting caliber point guard and will be that somewhere in this league. But I don't think it's going to be Boston, not as long as Kyrie Irving is here. Talked about that with Himmelsbach. I think that Rozier is ultimately going to end somewhere else, whether in a trade, because I, I just don't think the Celtics would just let him go and let him sign somewhere else. I think they want to maximize that asset, and Danny Ainge is excellent at doing so. I think making a choice, if I'm making the choice, it's still smart, but it's a tougher choice than it's ever been. And Hans, who would you be more willing to part with in a potential deal for Davis or Leonard, Tatum or Brown, or are they both completely off the table? For me, Tatum is off the table, and I've said that for a long time. I've gotten a lot of flack over it, and I think people are slowly, finally, maybe coming around to it. But Brown, I would deal. I don't want to deal him. Absolutely, but he's not untouchable. If you're going to get Davis, if you're going to get Leonard, you got to give one of those two guys up. And choosing between the two, and I said it earlier, I would part with Brown. But I don't want to. I don't want to part with either one. And I don't believe, as I said, Anthony Davis is going anywhere. And Kawhi Leonard, I'm not convinced he is either, although that situation is certainly a lot more fluid. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it, a couple last updates from uh, Danny Ainge earlier this morning when he was on the radio on the Sports Hub. He said that uh, Marcus Smart at least a week away, but he's back on the court. So that's good. Falls in the timetable of April 27th, like everybody had talked about. So I, I do believe, provided the Caesars still playing, which I think they will be, we'll see Smart again. Gordon Hayward in Indianapolis for a few weeks, probably, meeting with that running specialist and working on his mechanics and all of that. So as we know, we're not going to see him this year, which sucks, but is just just the reality that uh, we live in. It's going to make next year's team all the more entertaining. Great experience for the depth for the young guys on this roster throughout this playoff run, which all, again, get favorable matchups and, and you play well, obviously, and you're in your spot. This team could still potentially have another month or two in it. So we're all hoping it goes that way. But we've run a while, so let's get out of here. Again, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. You can see the shows when I tweet them out. Himmelsbach was great. Thank 
thanks to him, thanks to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, to John, to everybody for all of your involvement, obviously everybody at CLNS Media. Again, get me on Twitter, leave ratings, leave reviews, whatever it may be for the show, for Celtics Beat, we appreciate it. Episode 259, brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4 slash CLNS, see website for full details. This show also brought to you by eHarmony. My listeners get a special deal right now. Get a free month of eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription just by using the promo code Boston Celtics. What do you think? Season of Sweet? Season 5? Talking about the next series, next show? We'll be coming at you again early next week. It's going to be fun. And hopefully back at the garden, this guy, Gino. Gino.